I heard on TV recently that January is the biggest month for new memberships at places like the YMCA or workout facilities or whatever it might be. But February is the next biggest month for those memberships to be taken back. (laughs) For those who have started their memberships in January, February is the biggest month when people leave places like YMCA or the workout facilities. Does anyone remember what I preached on last Sunday? Tell me just one word that was in my heading for last Sunday. Wow. Good job, Tana. Awesome. Good job. What's wrong with the rest of (laughs) y'all? Well, based on that response, I'm going to preach it again. Well, not really, but... I'm going to preach something very similar to it. So, Tanny, you can leave if you want. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's all right. You've heard this before. Uh, I I want to hit on something that I mentioned in my message last week. The key to becoming consumed with Christ. It was something that I, I had peppered throughout the message last week. And there was one term, there was one theme that I had alluded to that I believe is the key to being consumed with Christ. And I don't know that you're going to like the word very much, but the word is sacrifice. I didn't think I'd get a bunch of amens with that word, would I? Sacrifice. We don't like that term. We live in a society, especially the younger generation, that wants to have all the rewards... Um, all of the benefits, all of the good things of life without having to sacrifice those things for it. All right. It looked weird back on my back screen. I'm looking back there, but it looks good up there. Okay. But we all know that anything worth having in life will take sacrifice. And I declare to you today, not just because it sounds like the thing that a preacher says, but I declare to you today that there's nothing worth having more in life than life with Christ. The Word of God talks about salvation being like a hidden treasure or like a pearl of great pride. Matthew 13 tells us that when you find this, when you gain your entrance into the kingdom of God, when you accept salvation in Jesus Christ, it's like someone who has found a huge bounty, a treasure of gold. Or it's like someone who has found that pearl, one of a kind, one of a kind pearl, that pearl of highest, rarest quality. And when one finds these things, they will give and they will sell everything they have just to have them. You see, the gospel message in finding Jesus is like this. Before Christ, there comes a time in your life when you realize that your life is a mess. When you realize that life is not worth living on your own. Maybe there's someone like that here today. Never really truly given Christ your life and you may find that your life is kind of a mess. Life is not truly worth 
living on your own. But when you find Jesus, you suddenly have something of greatest value. You have joy. You have peace. You have a contentment that you've never known before. You have life and you have life more abundant. You have, as someone had told me, had Jesus never been born, they would have no purpose. You now have purpose in your life. You now have something worth living for. Many of you know that as soon as I mention those last couple words, you think of the Bill Gaither song, he gave me something worth living for. Mm. But I need to tell you that there's more to it than this. There's a truth to this message that not many preachers are going to preach, but I believe that deep down inside, if people are honest with themselves, and if you are honest with yourself, you want to know the truth, don't you? Just tell me the truth. I don't care how hard it is, how difficult it is. Just tell me the truth. Now, a lot of times people will live their life that they don't want to know the truth. They avoid the truth because they're afraid of what the truth is going to do to their lifestyle. That might be a different message, but maybe not. But deep down inside, even those individuals will look at themselves and say, you know what, I want the truth. Give me the truth. Uh, Dad has had a re- uh, recently has had a couple of challenging weeks or a couple months in his life. Many of you know that he had a scare with his heart not long ago, and uh, that proved out turned out to be great uh, news. And uh, um, but I just found out a couple days ago that Dad said he's been complaining about a pain in his back for about a month, and he finally went to the doctor and he has a kidney stone. Now those of you who went, mm, oh, you've had a kidney stone too, haven't you? Uh, I haven't. Uh, I don't know what it feels like, but if you've had kidney stones, they're not pleasant, are they? But Dad told me the other day on the phone, he said, I'm just glad that I know the truth. I'm just glad that I know what I'm finally dealing with. Many of you have had physical issues in your life, and you just don't know what it is that you're dealing with. And you just want to know, just tell me the truth. I can handle it if I know what is wrong. Deep down, I believe that everyone wants to know what is going on. I believe everyone wants to know the truth. What really does it mean to live this Christian life? How close to God can I really get? Can I really call him my friend? Yet know and relate to him and the fellowship of his suffering. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that the truth is the gospel has two sides to it, has two sides to it. Do you want to know the truth? There is the believing side of salvation. This is the glorious experience of our salvation, our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In Acts 16.31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is true that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. So it truly is free. It is a free gift. From God. There is nothing that you can do 
to obtain it other than placing your faith 110% of who you are into Jesus Christ. This is the believing side. It's by faith you have been saved through his grace. But I must tell you that there is another side of salvation And it's a side that we cannot get away from, church. And it's the side of a behaving faith. It's the behaving side. While obtaining this treasure and this pearl of great prize is indeed free, keeping it will cost you everything that you have. Didn't think I'd get too many amens on that either. It's free. It's a free gift. But keeping it will cost you everything that you have. And herein lies the message of sacrifice. What does this life of sacrifice look like? This is a message that we could probably preach on for every Sunday, every month of the year. Turn to Romans 12 a popular passage. I alluded to this passage last week. Romans chapter 12. I used this verse last week, but I want to dig into it just a little bit more because as you're turning, listen to me as I say, church... While last week's message was a great thought going into 2015. While it's great that we have the concept of being consumed with Jesus Christ, I also admit that it's easy just to gloss over and forget. It's a good message, Pastor. Good message to enter 2015. But it's easy to forget it and just go on about how we were living in 2014. Hey, maybe some of you were on fire for Christ in 2014. I say keep it up. Continue to be consumed. But I would have to say that there are those here that probably were not consumed. This is why I want to hit this again today. Because if you and I are going to achieve anything of great value in life, it's going to require all of us to live lives of sacrifice. Amen? Ouch or amen, it's going to require all of us to live lives of sacrifice. Let's read this passage and dig just a little bit. Romans 12, 1 through 2, popular verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We can see right off the bat that one of the reasons that we can differentiate between the two sides of salvation, uh, between the believing side and the behaving side, is that number one, Paul is talking to who here? Believers, why can I say that? Let me go back. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So we know that he's talking to people who have accepted Jesus Christ. 
We know that he is talking to people who have made Christ their Lord and Savior. Those who have already believed and have accepted Christ by placing their faith in Jesus. But now, Paul is getting ready to tell you and I, tell all believers how we should behave in this life. Church, we cannot get away from this truth. I know that there are many churches and denominations out there who preach and teach that once you get saved, there is nothing more for you to do. Some of them, if you listen to them on TV, will have a lot of good things to say, truthful things, things that will help us in this life. But they also preach that once you accept Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do after that, your ticket is punched, your ticket to heaven is purchased, it is paid. And I tell you that I don't believe that is true. Not I, but I believe the Word of God tells us that is not true. Amen. But I'm here to warn you. I'm here to plead with you. I'm here to beg you to realize that is not the case. You must protect this treasure. You must protect that pearl of great price with everything that you have. Why do you think it says, seek out your salvation with fear and trembling? I believe, I believe that whenever you have found Christ, He is the most precious thing in your life. He goes way beyond finding a huge bounty of treasure. He goes beyond finding that pearl of great pride. And when you have something like that, you want to protect it. Seek it out. Work through your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? I don't believe, and I talked about this when we taught in the, in the kingdom man study a couple of weeks ago. I do not believe, I'm going off on a little tangent here, but I can do that. I do not believe that we are to wake up every day so fearful and scared to death that we're going to lose this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's not what I believe it means. But I believe it means that you hold it so valuable. It is worth so much to you that you don't want to do anything. You don't want to say anything that's going to jeopardize this pearl of great price that you have. That we had better be living lives holy unto God. Amen. What a way to go into 2015, but that's going to require, at times, sacrifice. I'm sorry, that's not going to build a lot of churches, is it? It's not going to build a lot of mega churches out there, this message of sacrifice, but it's truth. Truth. Where am I at? Cannot get away from it. Cannot get away from it. Um, I've, I've alluded to this before, and I think that seeking it out with fear and trembling. And I'm going to allude to our relationship at different times, but if I value the relationship with my wife like I say I do, I'm going to be very careful how I treat her, right? I'm going to treat her um, with value, 
with worth. I'm going to try my best not to do anything or say anything that's going to bring shame to her, that's going to bring dishonor to her. That's how we treat this pearl a great price. That's how we live this life in Jesus Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul, I believe, is trying to get across here. So number one, Paul was talking to believers. We know that. Number two, next thing that we see is that Paul was calling all believers to present or offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Consecrated unto God. Consecrated means what? This means totally dedicated and set apart. This is what will please God. This is what will please God. When I married Stephanie, she did not want me just to give her a portion of who I am. She wanted all of who I am and vice versa. I quoted Oswald Chambers last week as saying, It is no value to God to give him your life for death. He wants you and me to be a living sacrifice. This is what is acceptable to God, a living sacrifice. <laughs> Almost 19 years ago, I stood up here on this stage and I sang a song to my bride that went like this. I know I will never find a love like yours and mine. What I thought would never be is standing here with me. I would span the Milky Way just to be with you each day. I would even cross the raging seas just to have you near with me. Oh, isn't that sweet, precious, huh? Yeah. All the women are going, that's great. Now, men, husbands, it's easy for us to say these heroic things in our dating relationship, isn't it? It's easy for us to do anything and say anything to our loved one, that you're my all, you're my life, that I can't live without you. I'll give up and sacrifice anything. I will even die for you. How many country songs have been written with those kind of lines in it? That's kind of how we are, aren't we? But hear me out on this, and I, and I know this. there's a little play here, but hear what I'm trying to say. Husbands, our wives, though, are not necessarily looking for husbands who will sacrifice their life for them because in the reality of daily living, in the reality of daily living, a dead husband is no use to a wife. <laughs> okay? Am I right, wife? Yeah. What do I mean? Our wives need us to be living. They need us to be engaged, right? Our wives are really looking for a man who will help with the dishes. Oh, now we're getting personal, aren't we? I'm in trouble. Our wives are looking for someone who will clean the house, run the sweeper, who went, and I say amen to this. This is hard. There are times I come home when I'm tired and I just want to sit on the couch and Stephanie's making dinner, and I'll hear her say, oh, man, I forgot the eggs. I need some eggs. That's our clue to get up from the couch and go in the car and go get eggs, right? That's what our wives want. 
Boy, I'm getting, I'm seeing a bunch of looks going across the aisle here, across to each other. Our wives need them to, or us to share the load, to change the diaper on the baby, to give the kids a bath, to take the kids to practice, practice or whatever it might be. And they need us to do those things without always having to ask us, say amen or ouch. As Tony Evans had taught us in that kingdom man study, a man of God who is willing to sacrifice for his wife will lead the family in in devotions and prayer, who will lead his family and guide his family, someone who will be there for daily living, who will lovingly discipline the kids and also love the kids as well. In our daily lives and routines, wives are not looking for a husband who will be a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. And I have to say, ouch, a little bit on this. This, this came up yesterday with me. You know me. I'm just as human as you, and I try to be just as transparent as I can. Yesterday in the afternoon... Um, I had some things that I wanted to try and get done. I had to, some chores I wanted to do. And um, uh, Parker loves basketball. He loves Ohio State basketball. And they were playing yesterday and lost to Indiana by a couple points. But um, Parker's getting ready to watch the game. And my mindset was, okay, Parker, you know, if you need to go down there, you know, go downstairs to the TV down there, and you, know, you can watch that, and we're going to be up here doing some things. And my wife wrote me a little note. And she wrote on there, you need to watch this with him. Bam. See, I was not at that time, I was kind of being selfish. Even though I had work chore related things to do, I, so I set it aside and I watched the entire game with Parker. That's being a living sacrifice. I I didn't come naturally. But I thank my wife for writing that note. See, this is the same with Christ. It is of no value to God to give him your life for death. He wants you and me to be a living sacrifice. This is what is acceptable to God. As believers in Christ, we need to be living sacrifices, people who are of use to Jesus. Just for a few moments here, I want to focus on number two, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul specifically mentions presenting our bodies here, not our souls. He said bodies, right? He said bodies, not our souls. Our souls were already committed back under the believing side of salvation. But now Paul mentions the actual physical body. Why is that? Why does he place emphasis on the physical body? We're going to dive into this more next week. This is kind of more of an introductory type of a message this morning. We're going to dive more into it next week. But why would Paul mention the body? Well, really, God didn't. Or Paul didn't. God did. God told Paul to write these words. But why? Because it's through our physical bodies that God works and moves. Put this statement up there. Because God lives and breathes through our spirits, but he manifests himself and is glorified through our bodies. Got that? God lives 
and breathes through our spirits. But he manifests himself and is glorified through our bodies. Now, one thought that I'll ask you to think about this coming week and preparation for next week. What do our bodies mean? What all of who we are encompasses our bodies? We're going to dig into that next week. I'll have you think on that. The reason Paul urges us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice is because these bodies of ours can be weak. Amen? (laughs) Yeah. The older we get, the weaker they get. They will be weak until the day that God calls us home. They are a part of the flesh, and there will always be the temptation to live according to the flesh and not according to what the Spirit wants, as he tells us in Galatians 5. So what we do with our bodies greatly affects not only our service to God. Folks, it can even affect our salvation. Just look in Ephesians. Our bodies, we need them, don't we? We live in them every day. Some profound statements, I know, but it's true. Because we live and breathe in these bodies every day, giving them over to God is a big thing. Think about it. It's a big thing. This is why God emphasized the body in this verse. Look, there are a lot of people who want to give God their spirits but keep the bodies for themselves. Did you catch that? A lot of people that want to give God their spirit, but hey, God, I'll keep my body. I want to do with it what I want. But you can't have one without the other. You can't give God your heart but not your body. And you can't give God your body without giving Him your heart. You see, the two are intertwined with each other. There's a reason why God's Word tells us, for out of the abundance of the heart, what speaketh? The mouth speaketh. There's a reason why the two are intertwined The mouth, the part of the body directly linked with the heart. And in presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, William Barclay, commentator William Barclay said, there is no more characteristically Christian demand. You cannot do any more of a Christian demand or command than giving him your body. And let me just emphasize this, a little sneak peek, your mind is a part of your body as well. We'll go there. What are you giving your mind to? The Greeks at the time in first century history, uh, Greek teachings and Greek philosophies were prevalent in the culture of that day. They were just a part of daily society and daily life. That's why these words from Paul and Romans are so critical. You see, to the Greek, the only thing that mattered was the spirit. To the Greek, the body was irrelevant. It was considered an inadequate prison that would hold the human spirit. They put no confidence in the flesh. They could care less about the body. The body was despised and something to even be ashamed of which is why the sins and the debauchery of the flesh were out of control. In that day, it was an anything-goes type of mentality. 
do whatever kind of debauchery, whatever kind of sinful things your mind can think of, go ahead and allow the body to do. But this is not the way of a Christian. Christians believe that their bodies belong to God just as much as their souls do. And that they can serve God just as well with their bodies as with their minds or their spirits. Yeah. You see, many want God to be a part of their lives, to even reside in their hearts and their souls. But once this takes place, God will desire to begin manifesting himself through your body, through your actions, through your words, through the things that you hear and when he wants to begin, hear me out, when he wants to begin manifesting himself through your bodies, it's just a matter of time before he finds something that should not be there. Say amen or out. It's just a matter of time before he finds things along the way that needs to be changed, that needs to be altered. And this is where many have trouble. And this is where many begin removing their memberships. Removing their memberships from the workout facility and they go back to living as they want. And Paul continues to say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You're going to look at the clock and say, what on earth has gotten into that man? But I'm through. Don't get used to it. I don't know. I want you to dwell on these things. Dwell on this verse. What does this verse mean? A living sacrifice. Let me wrap it up by saying this. Living lives of sacrifice may appear glorious. As we talked about, I would cross the raging sea just to have, I'll die for you. To pour oneself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, to say to the Lord, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go out in a blaze of glory for you, Lord. We think that giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality of the situation for most of us, and we know that God requires that of some people, those of our missionaries, those who are uh, experiencing incredible persecution across the seas, we know that that is a part of their sacrifice to God. But the reality is that for the most of us, he sends us to the bank and he has us cash in that $1,000 bill into all quarters. What do I mean? Every time we listen to our neighbor explain the difficulty of their life, we're giving them a quarter of who we are. We're giving them, every time that your neighbor is out and you're thinking, I've got something to do. I really don't have time to go talk to them. And God, the Spirit of God tells you, go over to them. That's living with the spirit of sacrifice. When the, the kid next door who sometimes bugs you, 
He wants to tell you about his life. You're living a life of sacrifice when you listen to him. When you give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in those little acts of love, those little quarters that we give out along the way. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Living a life of sacrifice means letting go of our personal agendas that constantly keep us away from getting involved in the life of the church. Say amen or out. Living a life of sacrifice may mean meeting someone for lunch or coffee when you don't think you have the time, but you know that person has a need in their life and you're going to give. Watch out for your toes. Living a life of sacrifice may mean ceasing to watch a certain TV show or not going to a movie because you know it is not healthy for the mind. You know that it is not good, as Philippians tells us, whatsoever is true, noble, and right, pure, lovely, or admirable. Whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. And there are times when Christ comes into our life, there will be times along the way when he will ask you to do something of sacrifice. See, that's the behaving side of our salvation. I don't know where you're at today. I'm through. I've asked Mandy to pick out a song. Joyce, if you want to come up, and we're just going to end with this song. Living lives of sacrifice for God. Where are you at? I'm not going to extend this invitation. We're going to have a word of prayer. They're going to sing a song, and you can respond if God is calling you. I ask for you to dwell on these things. To be consumed with Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm preaching this to myself as well. It's been kind of uncomfortable the last one or two weeks. As God is revealing things about me. To be consumed with Christ will cause us to change and alter some things. And to have a spirit of sacrifice about us. Think about your salvation. Think about the pearl of great price. Think about the hidden treasure that you have found in Jesus. Why would we not give him everything? Would you bow your heads, please? Father God, Lord, I thank you that you don't require us necessarily to be perfect, but you do require us to be willing. You require us to have a spirit of sacrifice. You require us, Lord, to say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. And God, the reality of the situation is that this applies to every single person here. God, why would we not want to get closer to you? Why would we not want to be consumed with Jesus Christ? And Lord, you meet us where we are at right now. I believe, Father, you may be speaking to someone or or you just may be starting to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm speaking to you about this. You want to be consumed with me? 
you want me to be everything to you, then you need to give me everything. And maybe there's something in someone's life that God is speaking to you right now. Be obedient to him. Father, we thank you. Speak to us. Speak to us. We already have through your word. Now we may, may we be obedient and respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?